0: Oh man, this is, this is exciting. We are getting ready here, folks. We just had a, uh, a, a warm handoff to the landing team, the EDL team. Uh, this team has been through a lot. The Perseverance rover, we're here for today in space. We've got a lot to cover and a lot to get to here. So let's start the stream. Thank you for joining us. This is Today in Space. Welcome to Today in Space. I am your host, Alex Girofanos, your space podcast host from the East Coast. If you're just checking in on the audio afterwards, we're, we're waiting here for the Perseverance landing on Mars. This is Mars 2020. If you're watching us, we have NASA's eyes. This is their program. I saw this years ago, and it's so cool. I just saw this. We are watching an animation of what is happening in our universe and in our solar system. And right now on Mars, we're watching the animation of this spacecraft coming in this is the perseverance rover inside there it's going in through the atmosphere it's entering in and we're here we're here for your questions we're here to hang out uh and please let us know in the chat if you're hanging out i'm gonna pull up my phone here but we were just listening to the entry and descent team hand off the the reins over uh, or handing the reins over to them as, as they're they're in charge of the mission now this is where they are Um, The Perseverance spacecraft, hey, Mick, what's going on? It's actually going to look down at Mars, at all the data that they have from the orbiters of what it should look like, what they plan the mission for. And it's going to use those pictures to see if, is there any changes? Has the terrain changed? Can we not land there anymore because it's not safe? Uh, This is one of the amazing things that the perseverance rover is going to be different from curiosity right curiosity uh did a lot of great things it's kind of the the stock uh portfolio it's it's the stock model of of what the stock version of what perseverance is perseverance comes with so many different things on board it has what is 23 cameras on board and two of them are on the ingenuity helicopter that are in its belly it's trying to land inside of jezero crater which we 3d printed uh, we'll show you right here uh, with our AG3D printing lab, AG, uh, with our 3D printing lab, AG3D. Um, and this is terrain taken from the orbiters, and we 3D printed it, took like 68 hours, um, 800 grams of filament. But this is only a portion of the 28-mile-wide diameter Jezero crater that they chose because it's a... It's of scientific interest, right? There's uh, an ancient lake bed from what we what we've observed. So it where when there was water in the past, it when it dried up, when the magnetosphere of, of the planet ripped away, and and then the atmosphere blew away and it dried everything up. This is where remains of life would have been. That's why it's so important. But the thing, it's insane, isn't it? Thank you, Mick. We're gonna pull up the audio just so we have it in the background because this. Okay, they're, they're, they're talking about uh, other things here. So we're waiting for confirmation. 3.55 is when this is landing. So while I'm not sure if this is quite live from NASA TV, we're gonna make sure we're live here. Hey, it's Emily. So folks, if you have any questions, please please feel free to reach out to us here. We've got a little while here. We're here to answer questions, hang out.
1: People in the space industry work to answer two of the biggest questions that humans have ever asked. Are
0: if you're in chat, let me know how the audio is. And
1: where did we all come from? And by sending a rover to Mars, we are gaining evidence for the
0: answers to these questions. More evidence than we ever have before. And I, I think that's so exciting. So, folks, uh, if you are just joining us, we're hanging out here. We had the simulation of the Mars landing here. Uh, thanks to NASA's eyes. This is online. This is free. This is something anyone can look at. You can go throughout periods of time. I remember back when the, the Pluto mission, New Horizons was flying by. Uh, I had actually aligned the view of what the New Horizons spacecraft would be like if it passed Pluto on its flyby and looked right back at Earth. And it, it it's just cool to have this kind of option to go through to to actually be able to have a view of what it's really like out there. Um, If we go live, if we look at the live view of what's going on, uh, they are still at the point where the spacecraft is still connected to the lander. So if we zoom in here, this is what I love about this. We zoom in here. This is our spacecraft. This is Mars 2020. Our solar panels here are what's been providing uh, power for the mission, guidance, navigation, control, relays, uh, this has been what's gotten us to this point. There will be a separation here soon where they're gonna separate that and the, as we were watching before, the heat shield is gonna take a lot of the the force, the heat, and make sure that things go good as they, they hit 12,000 miles per hour in, to go down to two right so that heat shield is super important the parachute obviously the hypersonic parachute is a big deal dave jake what's going on thanks for joining us guys feel free to uh again let, let me know you're listening in the chat ask any questions we're just uh taking a look at the spacecraft as it's making its way towards entry so this is this is the live view again this is a simulation of what's happening we've got the nasa tv (laughs) broadcast there, and we'll turn to that audio in a little bit. But like I said, this is a hangout, so hit us up in the chat. There's a few things that I wanted to talk about, again, uh, that I thought were really interesting. The the actual landing. So it takes 11 minutes by radio for anything going back and forth from Earth or Mars to happen. So when they talk about that seven minutes of terror – A lot of that is because it takes, like, this landing will happen quicker. It takes seven minutes for the spacecraft to go from the atmosphere to the ground. So going from that 12,000 miles per hour to two and touching down, that's seven minutes. That's how fast this is. And so it literally takes less time for it to land than the actual data would be to come back. So by the time we get the data back on Earth, everything will have happened. It'll already be in the past. Because it has to travel that far, even at light speed. So, just talking about the pure scale of what we're dealing with here, space travel is not easy. Getting to this point wasn't easy. Hey, Scott. Um. Hey, is is this a good place to say that my son is a rocket scientist for NASA? That's great, Scott. Uh, congratulations. That's that's awesome. Um, that is uh the holy grail of uh, aeronaut aeronautics aerospace. That's that's great. Do you know what, uh, what team he works for, what he's doing? That, that sounds awesome. But space isn't easy, right? Uh, going to Mars is not easy. Curiosity, when it landed last time, did this sky crane maneuver for the first time. It was insane. Like literally looks like the Green Goblin's hoverboard. I know there's probably some technical people that are going to get angry about me making that comparison because <laughs> the hours and toil and, and all the stuff they had to do to make this work right automatically on Mars Uh, it it probably diminishes the point, but I think it's, I I think it's, that's what it looks like to me. This is all going to happen automated and there's no way to press stop or there's no, there's no extra life. There's no game over, click retry. You get one shot at it and there's been a lot of fantastic failures in just, just landing. Uh, (laughs) Thank thank you, Mick. I, I appreciate that. Um, but this is, this is very difficult. And it's not guaranteed that this is going to work. There's still a chance that this may not work. But when you think about the name of the mission, right? Perseverance, that especially after the last year, they launched this in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, they had to change everything up from what they were doing. They, they they weren't able to to do things how they were going to do and even if they did it in the old way in the old world before the pandemic, it still wasn't guaranteed. So they threw up all the cards on the table, had to, had to change up working from home and still make sure that he, that they would all get that, like everything still goes right, right? They still have to double check all their their math. They have to make sure that everything is running properly and that they've accounted for other things that, that are happening so that everything goes well. That's how detailed and precise and accurate all of this has to be. Uh, Let me look at the chat here. Scott, uh, he's in Huntsville to something with getting rockets out of our atmosphere with the least amount of damage to the components. Ah, that's, that is a a very unsung hero job. You know, everyone just expects that a rocket is gonna launch into space without things breaking on the way up. I remember when I was uh, getting my aerospace engineering degree because I actually am an aerospace engineer for anyone that's new. I've got the debt, but not the job. So there, there's that but uh, but I do know what I'm, I I can help find this information. And what I like to do is to break it down. So it's not super technical. But from what it sounds like, uh, Scott, from what your, your son does, there is so much stress, just launching from the ground and getting to space, the vibrations that happen when a rocket is going up in into space and getting through the atmosphere. It's, it is not easy. We're not supposed to just be able to do it. We've designed things to allow us to do that. That's why the multi-stage rockets were created, right? Because if you just used one rocket and used all the fuel and you never lost mass, like you never lost pieces of the rocket as you went up, you, we couldn't based on the gravity we have on earth, get into space. Like if our gravity was a little bit more, we wouldn't be able to build anything that would get us out into space. Mars is great because it's less gravity, right? So you, you require less to leave Mars and come back to Earth. But yeah, if we weren't able to leave Earth's gravity, that none of this would be none of this would be possible. Um, and I, I can I can already hear um, <laughs> I can already hear my friend Dave saying, "We just need a space elevator, and then all our problems will be solved." And uh, space elevators would be great, Dave. I <laughs> I agree. I agree that's that's a lot of rambling for me again let me know in the chat if you got any questions scott i think your son's job is awesome being an air you know i've been thinking about this lately being an engineer in general um being in the hard sciences in the aerospace industry especially there were a lot of jobs (laughs) there were a lot of jobs that i just wouldn't have been happy or enjoyed myself or the amount of effort it takes for all like all of these engineers are stressed right now, they're not, they're not cheering, they're not excited, they are super hyper focused on making sure that this mission goes well, they know all the ways it can go wrong. And they know there are plenty of other ways they've never even thought of that things could go wrong. So this is you need to go through all the trial and tribulation to have a have a successful engineering career or whatever, in the hard science you're trying to do you really got to love what you're doing. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people in STEM and why there's so many people that start in STEM and leave is because uh, the position they were in just didn't fit them. It wasn't it didn't fit their passion and the amount of effort and work and emotional toll it takes to, to work with critical people. Uh, so you, it, I'm, I'm kind of on this search to talk to people who work in all these different areas of science and technology and engineering so that people can get a better idea of all the different ways that they could get involved in in science if they're interested, right? Um, You don't necessarily need to have the NASA job. And, and, and it's awesome that your son uh, Scott has that. Um, The reality is there's just, there's literally not enough jobs to fill all the people that are actually qualified to come in there. Um, And there are a lot of companies. I mean, there's like SpaceX is one of those companies. We follow them very closely here in the podcast because, they have some of the most they have some of the most exciting jobs in aerospace that are available it's new technology it's never been done before um that's what the early space race for nasa was that's why it was so it was so exciting is because no one had been to the moon yet right so building that stuff being a part of the team to figure out how you do that for the first time there's a, that's the holy grail for a lot of engineers especially rocket scientists especially aerospace engineers so the more and more companies that can start and find people uh, that both love it and are good at it, I mean, if if we can enable that kind of people, then we can do a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> like landing a, a an SUV-sized rover with a computer that can guide itself on the surface, a microphone, 23 cameras, a little helicopter in its belly, and set aside samples for another mission to come back and bring them back to Earth. That's perseverance. That's what we're here talking about. Yeah, Scott, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, uh, Scott says here in the chat. I think it's a big deal that you guys have to understand the physical science and can't just rely on computer models. That is like the fundamental like theory versus practice. My my alma mater, the place I went to college, that was literally like our, our theory and practice. Was about those two aspects i think a good phrase that a lot of people talk about t lapse what's up man tyler welcome welcome theory and practice those two things like the rubber meeting the road like that's when you when you get into the engineering and the applied engineering not just the theoretical science um but the the engineering stuff what's real like you've got this idea you try it it doesn't work then you've got to figure out how do you make it work the way you want to or doesn't work the way you thought it was going to work. Um, That is the complexity of of engineering in the real world. Mick asks a question. I I don't think it's dumb. Um, How do they come up with the names of these things? Uh, For these for these missions? That's a very good question. The this mission I think was named it was it was a contest they had from students and they wrote essays and perseverance was chosen. I think they had the two people that sent in uh, their names for for both Perseverance and Ingenuity, the helicopter that's in the belly of Perseverance, they uh, got to go to the launch and actually see it there. So that was pretty cool. I don't remember their names. But for this mission, that's how they did it. There's a lot of times, like MAVEN, for instance, which is one of the uh, satellites that's at Mars that launched in the last few years. A lot of these are like they're just anagrams like their names they make up i think that's the right word but they they'll just come up with a name and if it makes a word that's easy that's what they'll do but it's usually something very technical i wish there was a better answer to that but everyone does it differently and for the longest time there wasn't any art to it it was just can we just add a bunch of a bunch of letters in a row that are technical and and make it work so I think there should be a whole team that decides these, uh, these names. It's, it's a creative position. I mean, that's another thing. We talk about people working as jobs, working jobs in STEM that aren't super technical or super engineering. A lot of engineers are not good at creative stuff. <laughs> if you've worked with engineers, you know this is very true. There's you know There are analytical people sometimes that are all analytical and too literal that the creative stuff doesn't come out. And if you can get someone that can work with that analytical person to extract the stuff that's, that's that really makes a difference and communicates it well, that is a, a beautiful relationship. And that kind of person doesn't have to be the smartest person in the room. They just have to be able to communicate better, <laughs> which for, uh, right, right, Tyler, right? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it, there is a, definitely a certain type of person that becomes uh, an engineer and that does not necessarily mean they're creative so uh if we can get more creative people to work with the engineers and the nerds we'll be better off all right so we've got our separation of the spacecraft that helped get perseverance uh to this point and now the spacecraft is going from crew stage separation to entry descent and landing this is where everything gets a little bit more complicated uh, but this is what they've been preparing for, right? The spacecraft is going to come in. Again, we're using NASA's eyes here. The heat shield we'll going in belly first. Heat shield is going to protect the spacecraft, the rover, and the sky crane from all the heat that it's going to take from going from 12,000 miles per hour to the point where it needs to release the parachute, and then that'll bring it down to two miles per hour. So that's that's what we're uh, Laron Kunst. Um, that's what we're looking for here. And Mick, yeah, you, you should do it. I think I think we need to get more people like you involved with, uh, with the STEM fields. Okay, so, I'm gonna go back to the mission audio here. Let me know if you guys can hear the audio. <laughs> Jake, you're hilarious, woo. Super science space truck has reached the, has reached the boss level.
1: It's turning itself in the direction of facing each shield toward Mars. And, uh, and we'll eventually uh hitting uh, the top of the atmosphere. We're not far away. This is going to go very quickly from
0: here on out. All I right, want to switch over to the NASA TV. We're watching basically the same thing at this point anyways. Oh, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So the uh, remember how the, the separation from the crew stage came out? The crew stage got in the way of the reception from uh, from Earth. That's what they were talking about. It's a little quiet, okay, thank you. The
2: data stream indicating the is that station. better? We have confirmation that the vehicle has started warming up those entry thrusters. More pulses have begun.
0: Alright, switching over to viewing mode.
2: At this point, the spacecraft is trying to stop its spin from the cruise two revolutions per minute down to zero. And then will t- to its desired orientation. Mm. Entry. It will se- separate the two balance maps. That have
0: kept it balanced during all of. All right. So I got a question from Mick here, guys. Let me know if the the audio got better from uh, from the video. I'm still trying to figure a good way to do this. Entry, Mick asks, is the movie guy in this bunch, when do you think a manned mission will land on Mars? Uh, that's a really good question. If we wait for the moon to Mars plan that NASA has, you're looking at 2040, 2050 at the earliest, and that's if everything goes well. With SpaceX and Starship, I think that by... They would like to do it by 2026, but I think 2028 would probably be the first time that you get enough people that are willing have trained enough to go for a one-way mission and the thing that starship helps you do is that you're also your shelter once you get there right let me uh, let me grab this while oh, we're here oh, okay that was unplanned okay so starship can bring up to 100 people this is our 3d printed model everyone here you are. So uh, this can come in, land on Mars, you can live in this structure, have enough food to last you a little while. Again, once you get there, that's two years you gotta be there. So if you only send four people and all the other room that you would have the 100 other people that could live on Starship, maybe you bring enough food that you can actually live there. But you also gotta be prepared for the fact that if in that two years you're not ready to go back, it's another two years before you can launch back. So every time you miss on your way back from Mars, it's two years, So that is the most difficult part about this whole going to Mars thing, the moon, you can be back in a few days, you know, that's why we need to practice on the moon. That's, that's why I follow the the guidance that we need to practice on the moon for this stuff. So that way, when we're there, even if we miss the return back, we still have the opportunity, we have the infrastructure we've trained to live in an environment like that long term so it's 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 tough but i hope i hope that answers uh i hope that answers your question mick i have a book i would definitely recommend robert zuber and this is an older book but uh it's still very very relevant today if you want an aerospace engineer's honest to god truth of like how do we go to Mars with the stuff we have today? This goes through everything. I'm still reading it. The Mars Society creator, um, if you're familiar, and Mars, the Mars Society is about getting the first people to Mars. If you're not aware of them, definitely check them out. If you're interested in some more science stuff, I have Avi Loeb's Extraterrestrial, which is a scientist's perspective on extraterrestrial life. And uh, I would highly recommend that as well. Hi, Sharon. Welcome. You're welcome, Mick. All right, let's get this audio back up and running.
2: Transference continues to report heartbeat tones, indicating everything is
0: nominal. All right, so those heartbeat tones, folks, is just like a ping back and forth so that they, it's it's our way of knowing that the rover's still alive. So um, one of the things that's gonna happen when this rover starts coming in for its landing, um, during that breakdown, we, we, there's a chance we may lose those heartbeat tones, we may lose the communication uh, cutout, but that doesn't mean that it's still a failure. There's a lot of different things going on. They're using um, one satellite, the MRO, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter to kind of piggyback doing this um, bent pipe maneuver to keep uh, constant communication with Earth while it goes through. So the satellites at Mars pinging with the rover as it lands, and then pointing back at Mars. That's trying to keep our communication the whole time. And then the MAVEN orbiter is recording all the data during that landing so that we'll get a a full file in case there's any blips back to Earth afterwards. Uh, Tyler says here, for the moon, it's one-sixth the gravity on Earth, right? So what's the difference in the gravity between Earth and Mars? What kind of impact would that have on the human body on Mars for two years? So that's a really good question, Tyler. So uh, Mars's gravity is greater than the moon's. Um, I think think it's roughly 40%, but I, I usually say a third of Earth's gravity. What they've been doing on the International Space Station for a very, very long time is developing a program to to reduce the effects that happen from, from zero gravity. So in, in, in microgravity, zero gravity, they're able to keep up with the bone loss, they're able to keep up with uh, their hearts and, and the change of blood flow, right? Because without gravity, the flow isn't being circulated by gravity, like down to our feet and kind of being pushed through. So our heart just kind of has to keep the rhythm going. Once you're in zero G, there's nothing like, your, your heart works differently right the flow is completely different people's heads like get inflated because it all gets stuck here their sinuses get full and all that so with a third gravity you should be okay what we apply from the iss could definitely work um i think the biggest challenge i think we can get around that i think the biggest challenge is being developed as a human being in that environment because if you and if you develop as a baby as a fetus, and then grow in an environment that's less gravity than Earth, then your bones are going to develop to that gravity, they're going to develop to that pressure, and they it won't, your body will then have a harder time adjusting to Earth's gravity. So it's creating an environment that will allow development of a human being for a higher gravity, so that they can survive lower gravity. That's, I think, one of the biggest the biggest things that's going on here. Good, I'm glad, Mick, I'm happy to hear that. This is what I like to do, this is what I like to do. All right, let's go back to the audio. Again, this is some of the most stressful. Okay, atmospheric entry is in a minute, folks. We're here, we're, this is it. This is it. All right, the team focused on their computers. We're here with NASA's eyes, checking in. This is it, folks. This is the moment we'd all been waiting for. Landing in Jezero Crater. This is our 3D-printed portion of that 28-mile-wide crater that they'll be landing in. About
2: 30 seconds from entry interface. 5.2 kilometers per second and is about 190 kilometers altitude above the surface of Mars. Woo! Confirm your death data flow. Oh, boy. About seconds from entry interface. 5.3 kilometers per second and altitude of about 150 kilometers from the surface of Mars.
0: All right, folks, again... Once we enter the atmosphere here, the rover has to shed 12,000 miles per hour that it's gonna hit going in, down to two before it lands.
2: They have confirmation of entry interface. Okay, here we go. 5.3 kilometers at an altitude of about 120 kilometers from the surface of Mars. <sighs>
0: All right, I'm nervous, folks. If you have any questions while we're watching here,
2: is now waiting until it begins feeling the atmosphere. To slow it down. Once there is enough atmosphere, it will start controlling its path to the landing target.
0: Yeah, that's one of the craziest thing about this reentry, right? So it's coming in, it's using the heat shield to take up all that heat, and then it's got thrusters, and it's going to start reorienting itself and guiding itself to where it needs to go, right? I mean, just look at this, right? So we're, we're already, we're taking in some heat from the atmosphere. We're starting to go in. This right here is where they're heading. So if you look at, if we just look straight at it, right? Like it's not directly focused at it. So it, it needs to do adjustments as it makes its way into the landing site. This is Jezero Crater here, a an incredible scientific location to look for, but all of those things, the terrain, the the soft sands, the cliffs, the rocks, all those are great places for science, but not great places for rovers. So there's a chance it could land at a place it can't get out of, right? That would be terrible. So it has on board this guidance system that's going to compare what It has known images of Mars, and it's going to overlay the ones that are there in case the terrain is changed in a way that's not ideal. It's going to make movements along its way down, and it's going to use radar to actually be able to make guidance and decisions as it chooses. Because once that sky crane comes down, it has the option to move around if it has to, and it's going to find a good place to sit down.
2: In the atmosphere to control its
0: distance to the landing target. Welcome everybody to the Mars mission hangout. Again, if you're just hanging, if you're just joining us, my name's Alex Arfanos. I'm your podcast host, Space Coast Space Alliance podcast host from the East Coast. Uh, Hit us up if you have about
2: 16 kilometers from the
0: any questions. We have in the chat.
2: heading alignment, which means President is no longer trying to control the distance to Mars but in to the target on Mars, but instead is flying straight to the target.
0: This is what we're looking at folks. There's that Maven orbiter that's recording everything as it comes in. So this is making connection with the spacecraft so that we can get a full recording afterwards. All right, it looks like the parachute has deployed or should deploy at this point. Let's get confirmation from the actual team. So this is, right? Is about
2: meters per second and an altitude of about 15 kilometers from the surface.
0: This is a great example of why shit never works the way you think it's gonna work. That's why engineering is difficult, right? According to the simulation, this should already have happened. But things don't always work the way you think they're going to work.
2: Where the spacecraft will jettison the entry balance masses in preparation for parachute deploy and to roll over to give the radar a better look at the ground. The navigation has confirmed that the parachute has deployed and we are seeing significant deceleration. In the velocity Here we velocity go. Is and again, per and remember. Of about 12 kilometers from the
0: of Mars. Remember, this has to come back 11 minutes from Mars. So this has already happened. We're just getting the feed of what really happened. So this uh, could already have landed. The
2: sonic speeds and the heat shield have been separated. This allows both the radar and the cameras to get their first. It's 145 meters per second at an altitude of about 10 nine and a half kilometers
0: above the surface. All right, here we go. So again, parachute is bringing the speed down uh, from 12,000 miles per hour. Right? They're 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 already a lot of the way there. The next step here is for the sky crane to release, move towards the north, which is either forward or backwards. Yeah so that when it fires, it doesn't hit the, the rest of the spacecraft that's still on the parachute. ...is
2: about 100 meters per second, 6.6 kilometers of the second.
0: I'm going to stop explaining things because I'm missing.
2: ...is continuing to descend on the parachute. We are permitting upon... Guys, we are very close. The ...of terrain-relative navigation and subsequently the timing of the landing engines. Our current velocity is about 90 meters per second, at
0: an altitude of 4.2 kilometers. All right. Oh, getting close. We're waiting okay, to hear about the sky crane.
2: Navigation.
0: All right. So that's confirmation that the computer actually found a place it wants to land. So now it's got to make.
2: Eighty three meters per second at about two point six kilometers from the surface of Mars. We have confirmation that the
0: back shell has separated. Here we go, we're in sky crane mode, folks. Sky crane mode. Green goblin and in to the red planet.
2: Off the of Mars. This
0: is this is where it is. The last time Curiosity did this, it did it so well, the rover was a little bit too high. And it, it like had negative. It, it lifted up. It was like they overestimated. It was beautiful. So, fingers crossed. I don't want to... I don't want to... Jinx anything. The which means we are the sky
2: crane, about to conduct the sky crane maneuver.
0: It's moving around. It's going
2: to...
0: All right. That's okay. As expected. Earth-to-earth tones lost is okay.
2: Sky crane maneuver has started.
0: Here we go. We're coming in, folks. This is it.
2: meters off the surface.
0: 20 meters off the surface. This is it. Jezero Crater. All right. MRO is our beacon. Yeah! Woo! Damn! Perseverance baby! Yeah! Congratulations, Perseverance team. In the middle of a pandemic, I'm I'm blowing out the mic. I apologize. I'm excited.
2: Perseverance is continuing to transmit to through Mars Orbiter.
0: To uh, I, I I can't I can't explain how difficult it is to not only land on Mars but to have to throw all the cards up in the air. In the at, at, when you launch, they launched this in the pandemic. Everything they had planned for had to change. Oh. They, they did it, dude. They...
2: Well, oh, still getting telemetry from the lander. Oh, my God.
0: All right, so Connection is live. They did it. Wow. we
1: This is so exciting.
0: They also have a microphone on board, so we're going to be able to listen to this landing for the first time.
1: Stay tuned. We might get some pictures.
0: This is the most cameras of any deep space mission. So we're gonna get a ton of stuff from Perseverance. Congratulations to NASA, to the JPL team, to the Perseverance team for, not to be lame, but persevering through all of this. I mean, this is not, I can't even explain how big a deal this is, but they did it. just
2: heard the news that Perseverance is alive on the surface of Mars. Damn damn
0: thank you Mick this is crazy if you got any questions folks hit me up in the chat we're just gonna we're gonna hang out
1: Wow.
0: that is incredible all right, so let's talk about the alternate reality that it didn't succeed.
2: We've just heard the news that Perseverance is alive on the surface
0: of Mars. I think they did. They just get images? images? Maybe not. We'll see. Let's
2: see.
0: Oh, that's that first picture. Look at that right there. Here, take a look at the first image. Damn. It's it's bound to be really dusty because the other thing is this <laughs> the sky green is rocket boosters shooting at the dusty Mars.
2: The target point on the map. When you are ready
0: man <laughs> that's awesome scott damn all right so our perseverance rover is in jezero crater an ancient lake bed where it's going to search for life it's going to cache samples in, showing
2: you that
0: Man. it's gonna catch samples for another mission to come back look at that look at that that's amazing
2: that's amazing Thank you camera, Keith known as the hazard camera. I'm glad you now, joined all right
0: so I I I I've talked i keep getting interrupted by my excitement and <laughs> everything that's happening on the stream so i'm going to pause for a second here all right so ah, this is this is a big deal for many reasons the alternate reality where this didn't succeed would have put uh th- there's a race going on to 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 return a sample from mars it hasn't been done before we have what seems to be a, a piece of, I think it's an asteroid that they found that they think came from Mars. There's obviously things that like, maybe there was life on Mars before, and then there was an impact which sent a piece of Mars with life to Earth, and that's how it started. That is a, a, a hypothesis, an idea that, that could be the case. Um, but to actually return a piece of the soil, I mean, that, that's that lets us do and know so much more about Mars than we can do by sending like a Mars science laboratory like Spirit and Opportunity and Curiosity and now Perseverance to do the experiments, drill, put it up, bring it into the uh, rover, figure out what the composition is. We can't do a lot of sample. Uh, we can't do a lot of soil. It, it, it's just not, we can't do a lot of science. We can do some science, but not a lot. Jezero Crater is huge because it's a scientifically like valuable place. Wow look at that. Uh that's crazy. Uh, sorry folks for just that are just listening at this podcast afterwards. Um this is this is insane.
1: So you've got uh, glass covers over these these cameras. But uh we took these seconds after landing so so there's still dust in the air from our landing event. Uh so this is this is happening um uh, uh, you know this happened just seconds wow. ago. Just arrived and uh, this is really amazing. And,
0: oh you you're you're welcome scott I, I I appreciate that um you know that have been working on this for a really long time <laughs> um it's uh i uh, it's what I try to do is bring bring a little bit something different to uh, these broadcasts. I mean, NASA does a great job, and I think you know NASA's funded, they have as much funding as they have. Um, I think if they keep doing this and providing just good solid you know it might be simplistic but good solid you know for anyone anyone that can just jump in and learn this stuff it's good I like being the supplementary to like hey if you want a little bit more out of this um, that's what we're here for so thank you I appreciate that I appreciate that um, but yeah the alternate reality China is doing the same thing right um, the Tianwen-1 mission their lander is gonna cache samples to be returned later. So uh, their orbiter is already there. They're going to land in the next, you know, uh, few months. They're going to land in May after they they do uh, some more orbits with their orbiter, and then try the same thing. And if this mission hadn't gone well, if we hadn't landed, this alternate reality, um, we would be out of the race. And we and by the way, the orbits are with Mars. Earth goes around the sun one year every year. Mars is every two, right? So it, it takes another two years before we have the, the, the next opportunity to get in this race. And then by that point, I mean, you know, China could be sending their stuff back if they're successful. So um, this is a uh, this is a big moment to let this happen. Um, we can join in here, listen a little bit. Um, again, if you have any questions, thank you guys for all the love in the chats. I appreciate that. <laughs> it did happen. You're right, Jake. It did happen. They did send pictures. Um but yeah, uh, thanks for the love. Let's uh, let's check in here.
1: Science observation platform by putting instruments on it, and also use it as a scout um, for future rover missions, and uh, and then just the interest in landing um, capability. Um, it'll allow us to land more and more.
0: Mm. One thing I do want to add about uh, what makes Perseverance different from Curiosity. On board, Perseverance actually has the ability to make decisions on her own of like where she wants to go. If there's good terrain, if there's bad terrain, uh, it has programs on board to automate a lot of that process to like, so we, cause again, right? It takes 11 minutes for a signal to go from one place to the other, from earth to Mars, 11 minutes and from Mars to earth, 11 minutes. So just imagine how long it takes to send one command. It takes a, It takes 22 minutes for everyone to be on the same board, right? Uh, just to, to be at the same same level so you can't even think in in, in a, a relative way you have to have everything planned out and if the rover can make decisions on its own while it's there to move around to to make this stuff happen that is where the the true value is uh in in perseverance and how how much better it is obviously the more cameras uh on board are going to let us see more and it just has Multiple opportunities to cache samples as it goes around again. My 3D printed model here, as it goes around to these different scientifically viable areas, right? The the inlet. Uh, this is again. This is only a portion. I think like like a small square out of the 28 mile crater that it's in. Um, and there's a lot of different areas in here where it may not actually be good for the rover. One of the major issues rovers have had on Mars before is that um there's been wheel issues you know the wheels have gotten destroyed a little bit faster than they were expecting to because the terrain wasn't quite what they were expecting Uh, and again it's trial and error right i mean once you're there you've got to do what you can there right it's amazing that spirit and opportunity those those initial rovers lasted as long as they did um curiosity is still doing its thing doing its science uh insight they had the little um, the little mole device that was drilling in, they, they finally stopped that effort because they just couldn't get the mole to go deeper. They, it could have been that the terrain underneath, uh, under the, the levels, they, there could have been uh, a slab of rock that they, they weren't expecting. You know, this this was just like a little vibrating mole that, you know, if it came up against a big rock or something, they couldn't do it. But while they were there, you know, they took the arm and they tried to push down the mole, to, not something they planned for, Right they were trying to see if they could get it to to get past some pebble that was in the way. I mean, if you ever dug holes for a fence, that sucks. Okay? When you're doing it by by yourself. Just to bring it back to the real world, back to earth, when you're drill when you're digging holes to put a fence pole into, god, that is one of the most painful things to do. And you know what it's like when you get a stone in the way and now you've got to build the whole bigger so you can get that whole. however big that rock is like imagine doing that with an 11 minute delay on what you can tell your body to do that's what we're trying to do on mars um so it's uh it's 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 pretty crazy what they're able to do here yeah interesting as scott's just saying here in the uh in the chat here fun fact most people who retire from nasa still come to work because they want to see what happens to the engineering they started yeah i mean space takes a really long time for progress to happen i mean again like you can only take a trip to mars based on the tech we have now every two years right based on just how rocket science and 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 orbital mechanics works right now it's every two years that's that's when you have to wait and you have to be ready in time um shoot i mean spacex has been around since the early 2000s and they're only now starting to have the success. Their technology is finally matured to the point where they can really have all these things happen. Um, so I'm, that doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of people at NASA that, that stick around um, to to see to see how the engineering comes from it. It's pretty wild, but this is our this is Perseverance on Mars. So again, in in Jezero Crater here. So yeah, I mean, for all the other rovers, the the planning of sending that mission to Mars was all about where can we send it that it can survive, that it can still move around, and that limits a lot of the places that you're gonna go, and it's a lot. It limits the science you're able to do there because maybe there isn't the evidence like pers- like where Jezero Crater is, where that all this water would have dried up. Where if there were life, microbial life, and there it would it would have been sifted into the inlets and outlets of the dry bed of what used to be um from what we've seen a a mars that had water had tons of water um and lost it because it lost its magnetosphere so as soon as it didn't have that anymore the atmosphere was you know we're so lucky here on earth that we have a magnetosphere we have something that protects us from solar radiation and solar flares but if we got hit with a huge solar flare and it knocked out our magnetosphere or something happened to our core or something like that then our atmosphere would be completely open to the vacuum of space and any kind of space wind or anything that would be able to move those particles out of what the gravity is now the only thing holding those particles they're very light so now they're susceptible for movement they could just get brushed out and that's what seemed to have happened on Mars it we it just lost its atmosphere and now is super cold. All the water that's there is frozen, and it only gets up to like 80 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the hottest the planet ever gets to. But most of the time, it's freezing. Um, looking back at the uh, chat here, Tyler, uh, you're very welcome for the stream. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you had the, you had the Facebook notification. I'm glad you saw it. Yeah yeah let's hope let's hope that perseverance finds our ancestors i agree i agree i want to know i want to know what the what the martian earth and earthlings were like
1: one of these missions we make fabulous discoveries and uh and you know each one is is more exciting uh, than the last the future does look exciting now as director of jpl what would you like to say to those teams right now celebrating oh you know obviously they they have earned it let me let me tell you i mean they uh, have worked, you know, for years and years on this mission, and then in the past year, of course, we had the COVID experience. And and you know, I want to thank not only the team, but also you know, all of JPL. You know, a lot of folks had to had to, uh, to uh, Jet
0: Propulsion uh, Laboratory, to they are the our best, our man.
1: Telework, you know, our our IT systems were good enough. They to, are to the best. Folks working from home, you know, all of the folks looking at uh, at PPE and our safe distancing and reconfiguring facilities uh, to make them safe uh, for the employees um uh, it's just an um, incredible amount of work by the entire lab and of course especially by this team and uh, you know and, and in one sense you know the, the 7 minutes of terror are very exciting uh, but on the other and hand they're over. Know, the mission's just started right We've-
0: that's it's true that's true it's, this is the first hurdle folks and that's what i think we'll we'll end on the first hurdle for perseverance on mars the biggest one i think is over they've they've landed on mars they've landed on the red planet that's where it's going to be to conduct the rest of the science Uh, i am obviously going to keep you guys up to date here on today in space thank you for joining us if you're new here please feel free to subscribe um whether it's on our facebook page if you're you're watching live here uh please head over to our page uh follow us there we'll keep you updated on everything that's going on our instagram today in space pod instagram uh twitter on today in space pod or on TikTok at Today in Space Pod as well, and of course we're streaming on all your favorite pop podcast platforms. That's Spotify. That's Apple Podcasts, and of course we're on YouTube. So subscribe there, click the bell, um, do all the things you got to do so you get an update when a new episode comes out, and uh, that does so much to get the word out there. So thank you for joining us in our mission to spread love and spread science. I am your science communicator, Alex Giarrafanos. Your space podcast host from the East Coast. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations, Perseverance team and JPL. We did it. NASA, another successful mission on Mars. Showing what we can do with our technology. Be good. Spread love. Spread science. We'll see you next time on another episode of Today in Space.